It's Speaking with Gravity. I'm curving your host on this podcast. We like to talk about mental health and how everything affects everything. I'm a son, a brother, a husband, a father, a friend who also happens to be a therapist. When you sit with a therapist, the conversation is different. With every episode, the goal is to have a conversation that's going to make you think, make you feel, make you do what's best for you. I'm a therapist, but this isn't therapy. It's just a podcast. Today, we're going to talk about AIDS, HIV, and (laughs) I neglected to get at the beginning how you wanted me to refer to you because I know you personally and I don't want to just say your name personally. So I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself because if I just test, if I tell the world what I call you, then the world going to start seeing you like that and just call you that. So introduce. We won't want that. We won't want that. Okay. All right. You get introduce yourself. (laughs) My name is Kiwana Hills and um, I am an advocate, but I also work alongside um, HIV and AIDS patients every day. That's my day-to-day job. So I'm here with, uh, what should I call you? Because if the world knew what I called you, they'll start calling you that. Hey, I've been called any and everything in the book, so I don't even care. So I'm here with my brother, Kervin. So <laughs> let's, let's, get this, let's get this started. All right, so we talk about AIDS and HIV. Uh, I was listening to um, The Breakfast Club a couple of months ago. They had... Uh, Tamika Mallory on there mm-hmm. uh, and some some other young man but they were talking about it and it uh, had me thinking is the conversation around AIDS and HIV is it changing is it any different and for me I remember uh, vaguely before the 90s in the, in the 80s I was a I was younger so I heard of it and I knew it was bad or at least I thought it was bad right but I wasn't like, didn't really know anything too much about it until uh, Magic Johnson. Right. And then when Magic Johnson came, it was like, oh, okay, it's really bad. And you don't do the things before marriage without protection. And if you, even if you do have protection, you still got a chance of getting it. Right. But it was just, if I get this, mm-hmm. I'm going to die. Yeah. That's the thought process behind yeah, it. So yeah. is the conversation changed? And... Uh, also, that it was at that time, it was either you're going to be uh, intimate with a lot of different people and you're having unprotected sex, or it was um, a uh, it was prevalent in the gay community. Right. So, is that conversation changing, or is it still the same um, nationwide? I guess you could say. So, you're talking about two different things. You're talking about the conversation around HIV/AIDS, and you're talking about the stigma around HIV/AIDS. Okay. First thing. The conversation, I think, is becoming more prevalent now than it was before because it was also like a taboo thing. You don't necessarily want to talk about it, but I think um, people are um, more receptive and they're more accepting of the conversation that comes around HIV. They're not necessarily shying away from it because it's here. So the mere existence of it being here, the conversation is, is, is turning. It's, it's turning. You still have certain people not necessarily want to talk on it, mm-hmm. but I think people are more so now having the conversation due to the fact that um, a lot of people are more so open about their sexuality, 
and that's becoming more accepting in, in the culture today. So that's helping with the conversation that's because people are open and talking about that. Okay. Correct, correct. And with the, just to explain, you were saying that there was a difference between the stigma and the conversation. Right. What is the stigma? Well, typically, back in the day, the stigma around that, you just didn't know. You, you just knew somebody had HIV or AIDS and they're dying. And I don't know how they're contracting this, so I don't want any parts of this. But now um, people are becoming more accepting because of its mere existence. Um, it's here. There's nothing we can per se do about it, but we can manage it. So let's have this conversation about it. A lot of people now are realizing it could be my mother, it could be my brother, it could be my sister, it could be my friend. So therefore, knowing that piece will make you more, you know, you love that person. So you're going to love everything about that person and at that time that may be a person who has HIV or AIDS but I do want to put out there that you can have HIV and not have AIDS but you can't have AIDS without having HIV okay HIV is the human and um, deficiency that virus that causes AIDS so if you have HIV you don't necessarily have AIDS that comes in a part with your T cell or your healthy cells when HIV attacks the cells, it attacks those healthy cells, and your body's not able to fight it. So if your body's not able to fight it, in a normal, like a normal person without the virus, you have thousands and thousands of T cells. If it gets below 200 for, um, for AIDS patients, that means that you are CDC defined as having the disease now, you mm -hmm. know, and not the virus. So. so is death still inevitable? No, it's not. With, with the medications that they have right now and the science behind it and understanding it, you have medications that will make you live a long lifestyle, you know, a long healthy lifestyle if you take your medication like you're supposed to. You know, your T cells can be high, your viral load can be low because once you start taking your medication, the medication attacks the virus. So if you're not taking your medication, of course the virus is gonna make different copies and it's gonna multiply within your body which then is going to start, you know, shutting down, you know, things in your body. But if you start taking your medication, your, you know, your CD4s will go up. So it's fighting it. So it's not, you know, no, it's not inevitable anymore. You can live a long lifestyle as long as you take your medication. So is it, is it more medication or just better medication than it once was? Well, from what I was told, I mean, when the medication first came out, of course, no one knew what it was. They were trying to find something that could help taking medication i heard from different different people that i've dealt with back in the day who had who's had hiv since like the the 80s and the 90s um azt was one of the first medications that was out there and it was making a lot of people sick i know one client of mine that was taking azt said that he was on 85 and it was just messing his stomach up and he's just feeling bad and he just threw the medications out but then you have some who, who would help. So it kind of depends on your body and the makeup of your body. But no, I don't think that um, it's inevitable. You take your medication like you're supposed to, and you, you know you can live a long life. You said AZT? AZT. What is it? Now is that it? I can't tell you the exact name because that was before my time, but they're making medications now where you don't have, it used to be called a cocktail, where you have all these different um, medications to fight off the virus, but now we have, we're um, advanced in our medications and you can just take one pill per day. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I was looking at something uh, on the article talking about how um, people have multiple medications yeah. uh, and they have to have so much monitoring of mm -hmm. the, the illness mm -hmm. that it can be intrusive mm -hmm. and not only intrusive to the point like it's just aggravating, but it's, 
it's, it's bothering me and my mental health. Mm-hmm. Is that, st- is it, does it, with the medication kind of right. lower, not having to take as much, do right. they still, th- still have to have as many routine visits to the doctor as they used to have? No, actually, if you're, if you're doing well and you're taking your medication and we're looking at your, your CD4s and your viral load, because those are the two most important numbers that we look at in regards to retention. Um, because that's a big thing now that we're, we're focusing on is retention, ensuring that people are staying in, um, in care. And when they take that medication and they only have to take one pill, I kind of refer back to them when we're taking vitamins. Me, I take a lot of supplements every single day just to make sure that my immune system is, is together. So they usually come, my clients usually come either three to six months, just depending on you know, what they have going on, depending on their um, their viral load and if they have any other underlying issues. Because sometimes it's not just about HIV. You may be HIV with di- um, diabetes. You may have HIV with high um, cholesterol. So it's not just that one factor. It's a part of you, but it's not all of you. So some people have to take that depending on when we find out. Because if we find out that you are diagnosed with HIV and your CD4s are, CD4s are extremely low, we have to then give you more medication to boost, boost your immune system by then. Mm. So, so once it's boosted up, you won't, you won't have to take as many medications as you, know, as you did when we first started. Is it, um, is HIV or AIDS more prevalent in any group in particular? Unfortunately, it is. It's um, more prevalent in the um, MSM, that's male um, who likes um, men, and the African American male who like men, like okay. men, men who like men. Okay, it's more prevalent in in the black community um, when it comes to HIV as far as o- the numbers overall, or overall. just overall. Okay, more prevalent in the African American community mm-hmm. and also prevalent in men who like men. Yes. Okay. It's higher in men who like men who are African American. Oh, so that that's yeah, a so double women. women. So okay, yeah, let me specify that. Um, and now. With regard to that, again, I was reading, going back to mental health, it was saying 50% of the people with uh, HIV also met the criteria for some type of uh, mental illness. Okay. And when I say some type of, I don't mean like the the more severe ones, but just anything. It could be be something very severe or it can be something kind of light. Sure. Um, Do you see those co-occurring diagnoses? when you're dealing with individuals I from do, day to day? I do. Um, and does it make it difficult to deal with them? When you are diagnosed with, you know, a life-changing disease that you know there's, there's no cure, that can mess with your psyche, you know, and you have those who are newly diagnosed, maybe young. I've had um, clients who were newly diagnosed who's had sex one time. Mm. And that's another thing that comes back around the stigmas around that. You think that somebody is promiscuous and just out doing X, Y, and Z, and they pick up HIV. You only have to have sex once to contract anything, especially if it's unprotected sex. So that kind of plays with your psyche when you, you, know, you found someone that you want to give yourself to, and that person's not being truthful about what's going on with their bodies and you then contract something that you can't get rid of. So that plays, that plays, that plays with your mind. That comes with the anxiety, depression, all that comes, comes with that. Um, those individuals like that, they can still find somebody who's gonna be interested in them, right? Like, not that you would, like. Not that I'm a matchmaker, yeah, you know, so. But people, even though there's a stigma, mm-hmm. with us having better medication, we're mm-hmm. saying that we have better medication, yes. 
there's a possibility that somebody will understand and say, okay, I'm just going to sure. live with it. And then uh, is it automatically transmitted to the child if they do um, decide to carry on a relationship and have a child? It would depend on the mother. Now, you can, that's another way of, um, of contracting is, is when a mother, you know, gives birth. But it depends on if that mother's been taking their medication. It's, you know, her viral load is low and her CD4s is high. It's less likely. Not saying that it can't happen, but it's less likely. Because I've had, you know, I've had a client who was pregnant, had a child, and the child does not have HIV. Oh. So how can we as family members support somebody who's living with it? Talk. Just communicate. Just talk. Go with your um, family member to their appointments to get more information. Read up about it. If you truly love that person and you, and you want to know what's going on with them, um, talk to them about it. You know, they'll be more open to, to tell you what's going on with them if you don't shun them because of what's going on with them. And again, HIV, is, it doesn't look like it did back in the day. You can't just look at someone and say that person has HIV because of the medication that they take. They don't have the, the facial, the skeletal, where they look like they're about to die. No, that's so far from the truth. You cannot necessarily look at people or determine whether somebody has HIV. So just have a conversation. I, I know I've had um, patients who said that their family members wouldn't even allow them to eat out the same paper, but they, could, they would put it on a paper plate, you know, so they won't contract, you know, the virus. So being knowledgeable instead of being ignorant would definitely be a key factor in how much you love your family member. Is there, um, like, is there some type of place that family members can go to to learn more? I, I know you said they can go to the doctor with them mm -hmm. and get more information, but outside of that, are there support groups for families? There, there are or? support groups. Um, and being that this is a social media world and everything is on the Internet, if you're on the Internet looking at... Um, uh, Parshmark, which is one of my favorites, you can go on the internet and look up information about the statistics and stats of HIV. You can you can do that if you want to know. But yeah, there are support groups on for Poshmark. No, not on Poshmark. Oh. I was just giving. Oh, okay, <laughs> I was trying to say. I'm no, I'm just saying if you if you're looking up stuff, people will look up what right. they want to look up right. and, and find exactly. out right. information about things that they want at, that they have interest in. So I'm just saying, like, you can also Google anything in regards to HIV and look that up. You will get information. You can find support groups for those who are having a hard time because it's a support group for everything. And you're having a hard time trying to understand what your family member is going through. Are you even having a hard time dealing with it just for your own, your own self? Definitely there are support groups for that. I, I don't know if you can answer this question. I'll let you know if I can. <laughs> what is it like to have AIDS? You know, with you working with people, what are those things that you're hearing time and time again? Just, just having it. And we, and the reason I'm asking is because we're saying the medication is better. We're saying you mm -hmm. can live longer with, and, and and by all accounts, it seems as if not only can you live longer, but mm -hmm. a healthy life, mm -hmm. a good life with mm -hmm. the medication. So, what is it like? Is it? I don't want to say is it that bad, but. Is it that bad? Okay, so again, I can't personally say what is it like for myself, but the interactions that I have with my clients, um, they actually give me hope in regards to, I may think my life is bad, but you know, here's somebody who's having some, a life-changing situation going on with them and they still find a reason to smile. They still find a reason to keep going each and every single day. So 
I would say that that's not the forefront of their mind. The only time I have a person, um, one patient that only thinks about their status is when they come to their appointment. Mm. Georgia Power still needs to get paid. Comcast still want their money every single month. You still have to go to work because you still got babies to take care of. It's not so much at the forefront of their minds anymore. You know, they're still living their life. They still have dreams that they want to um, to complete. They still have goals that they're trying to complete. So they still have they still have weight that they want to lose. So they're still they're still a normal person with normal issues that every one of us have. They just have this is just a part of them. This is not all of them. So what is it like? It's like when they come in to their appointments, it's a big deal because they're coming in because they want to make sure that I'm living a healthy lifestyle. So if I choose to go out there and have sex, I'm less likely to give it to somebody else. So they're um, living with HIV, living with AIDS. It's not the death sentence anymore. So that's another thing that keeps them going and to make it feel like, okay, so I'm not going to die. You know, I may get, I may die when I go out here and get in my car and get in a car accident. You know, the likelihood of that. Mm-hmm. So, so what can we learn from from them, the, the individuals who have it, uh, outside of obviously, if, you know, if somebody got it, we can keep track of them from a research standpoint, the medication has affected them. But right. just a regular person like myself, okay, what can I learn from a survivor who's had it? living uh, a healthy life by all accounts you just said it they're surviving they're they're persistent they're, they, they keep moving they're you know life is so much bigger than than the disease so i'm not going to let that that part of me be the downfall of me so that's what keeps me motivated every single day because i can they can wallow up in, the, in a wall and just start crying and just think the wall has end but they choose to get up every single day you know they keep you know they keep going so that you can definitely learn about you know about that part from them is that just because this is a part of me does not mean this is the end of me to keep going to keep persevering because i still have things that i want to do in life and this is not the end of life and so with regards to that it, it was considered a pandemic one time right yeah in the, in the very beginning it was it was a pandemic well, well, because do no you, one knew what it was. I was about to say. Yeah, no one knew what it was. No one knew how they got it. They just knew at that point in time it was in a particular, um, particular. Uh, I want to say, hmm, it was a particular group, you know, white okay. males, you know, that was. Oh, that, really? Yeah, that, that contracted, yeah. And it was in, out in California. And That's it just, how it started. Mm-hmm. From from what I read, okay. So back in California in the eighties, um, white um, white gay men, and it just kind of spread from from there. So again, I think that when you put things in perspective and you see that it happened like that, and, and no one knew. Being today, COVID. Same thing. No one knew how or why it happened. They just knew that we need to get a vaccine to try to try to fix this. And that's what they're doing now. They didn't know how you caught it. So every, everything is a, a scare. So with, with HIV and AIDS, it was the same thing. It was a pandemic. No one knew how, how they contracted it. So I, we just need to know how we can fix this situation. But then it started spreading and it was big in New York. And then Atlanta supposed to be the mecca. Of you know of it, so it just it just started spreading from there. But now that we have medication that helps suppress the virus, is not as scary as it was then. 
Um, or it's not as visible as it was in Ireland. Atlanta became the Mecca at some well, point? For the for what I read, uh-huh. um, they were saying that Atlanta, because you know, the, the cases here are so extremely high, um, and a lot of um, a lot of gay males that live here. So of course, with that population alone, that's where that that terminology came from. Not necessarily from me. Right. Yeah. But uh, so it started in Cali, and I didn't know that. Uh, I only remember it from New York. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I remember it from mm-hmm. New York. And you mentioned the uh, uh, the the you compared it to the epidemic of, of now. Uh, what did they do with it being a pandemic and it being that we didn't know where it came from they were learning how to address it what did they do back then that we could do now or we did do now to better address COVID uh, and with COVID being a pandemic or do you see any relations between the two? I just see um, you know again back then and there the advance of medication was so is was so I mean so limited. You learn each year how to do better. So mm-hmm. I think somebody there, somebody had to be uh, uh, I don't want to say scapegoat. They had to be the, the guinea pig to to take the medication and say okay if it's working it don't work. I mean I'm pretty sure they were. Uh, I think I think they had human um, guinea pigs. I'm pretty sure they did to see how this would impact, you know, someone, you know, will it, will it drop the T-cell, will it increase the T-cells, how, how, what are the side effects to this medication? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they did. Um, and I, I didn't, with it, do you remember when, like, in the 80s it started? Uh, I only, re- and the reason I'm asking is because I heard about it, I, mean, I guess can, in, in uh, We can Google it, <laughs> but I, I don't necessarily know the, the time frame. But it was mid 80s, early 80s? It was mid 80s. Okay. I want to say mid 80s. So then by like the time. Like 84. Like in the, yeah, mid, mid, early 80s, yeah. So by the time I heard about it in South Carolina, on prevalent, like regularly, it was 90, 91, 92. Yeah. Again, yeah. Magic Johnson was probably the thing that just kind of. Because really that's, that's t- who you know, that's yeah, who you saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was five, six years after the fact mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that I'm hearing about it. Whereas with COVID, I see it was a couple of months. Because now you have social media. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't have all of that. I mean, you may have a family that had one TV in the whole household, but now we have internet, we have, you know, social media, we have cell phones, we have access. So that's how you know more so about what's going on today versus back in the day. And is um, there any type of financial stress um, that goes along with it. Uh, we're talking, well, you say there's only one medication now that they really have to take. but Yeah, per that person. Definitely depends on your makeup, what's okay. going on within your system, whether or not that would be a good regimen for you. Because, you know, you have to take a sensitivity test to figure out what will be the best fit for this particular client. So you may have a person that's on one medication. You may have a person that's on two. So it just depends on what's going on with them in their in their body. If that's going to impact anything or counteract with any other medications that they're taking. What so about, all that takes into consideration. What about insurances? Like, well, do, um, they, do they shy away from people? What? Uh, the insurance company. I don't know if they even do this anymore. Uh, we can't serve you? No. Um, that would be more of like life insurance more so than insurance. Um, life insurance, they, you know, they were talking about the pre-existing um, diseases and stuff. 
are preconditions, um, pre-existing conditions. Some some life insurances won't take you, and I've I've had clients who are you know struggling with that, and some some will. But insurances, yeah, um, there's there's no issues in that concern that I know of. And then I work in an organization where if you don't have insurance, it's okay. You still can be served. So how do they get around the life insurance thing? They just have to save up. Uh, Not necessarily. I mean, luckily, I haven't had the opportunity to deal with anyone who's struggling right now in regards to life insurance. I mean, again, there are certain companies that will that do. will accept okay. them. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so it's not a death sentence anymore. No. no. Um, I'm not going to say it's not hard to live with it, but it's manageable. It is. Uh, in, in general, it's manageable. Um, what can we as a community do to decrease it uh, from our perspective. We, we're not doctors, so we can't Be safe. If you're having sexual intercourse with someone, be safe. Let your first date go to let's get tested. You know, if your you what? know that... Your let's, first date? I mean, hey, that too. First date, second... First dates, people have sex. So, again, if you are feeling the need to have intercourse, rather it be the first date or the fifth date, if you see yourself going there... Go get tested. So is it is it is it appropriate to uh, I don't, yeah appropriate to ask that question on the first date? Hey, have you been tested or do you have it? Is it important? I mean, is, I think it. I think it's, should we should we tell our kids that? Should we teach that? Hey, man, you go on this date. Ask them straight up. Do they got it? I would say that's to the discretion of the individuals. Um, depending on you know how you live your lifestyle, depending on your your preferences when it comes to when you want to have the birds and the bees conversation, is that something that you want to also include in that conversation? Um, I just say, again, if you feel the need that you want to have intercourse with someone, be safe. Condoms are not 100% at all. Um, they are, they help, but they're not 100%. If you want to, if you know that you're going to go there, I would suggest having that conversation. Why is that conversation less important than anything else? <laughs> and that's not. the thing. People pick and choose what they want to talk about. Right. But when we're talking about self and we're talking about self-love, I love myself well enough to know that this is something that's important to me. So if it's not important to you, then that's okay. We can, we can you know, leave it as that. I'm not trying to change anyone's mind because this is my mindset. This is my body. I love myself. So we should have this conversation if we're adults because they love to throw that out. We're going to talk about sex, but we're going to, min- you know, minimize what we talk about because that's not appropriate. So if I, if I don't have it, right, if I don't have it. And you're sure you don't have it. And I'm, I think that I'm sure that I don't have it. <laughs> and I'm not the, the person to say I'm not going to I'm not going to ask that question. OK. The person who does have it. Is it then their responsibility to say, all right, I got it. So I'm going to have this conversation on the first date or the first time I talk to somebody so that they'll know, what, you know what's up. Is it more their responsibility? Maybe that's not the right the way I'm like, what? Say. okay, so I think it's the responsibility of both individuals because it's going to take two people to have sex. So I don't want to necessarily put it off on the person who has HIV. Now, it is the person who has HIV to let them know if they're about to have sexual intercourse because it's against the law. 
If you so, have sex with someone and not disclose your status, it is against the law for the state of Georgia. So it's definitely against the law. You got to tell it. Even you if you have, protect yourself, you, you have to tell, tell it. it because what it's called is reckless endangerment. So you, again, condoms are not 100%. You're still endangering someone's life because you have a virus that you need to tell them about and they don't know that you have it. It is against the law. Is it hard to convict people? No. Off of that? No. You will go to jail. I mean, <laughs> next question. <laughs> this, I didn't know it was against. Yeah, it I is. It is. I didn't know it was against the law from the stand, that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have heard of it from the standpoint of individuals going to see multiple people mm-hmm. and not telling them, and okay, they went to jail. But just one, I can have a regular conversation. I mean, not a regular conversation, a consensual relationship, sexual relationship sure. with somebody, and I don't tell them. Mm-hmm. I protect myself, but mm-hmm. if they find out later, mm-hmm. even if I, they don't contract it, I can still go to jail because I didn't tell them. They can still press charges against you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as as far as convictions, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, right. But yeah, they can still press charges against you. Okay. And and oh, all right. So I guess which you is an important conversation to have. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's got to be important. <laughs> People can go to jail off of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so we should definitely have it um, from the beginning. Yes. Um, again. What, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me say, when you say in the beginning, you don't necessarily have to go and yell to the rooftop that I have HIV. Depending on where you are with self, that you can do that. Because you have advocates who are knowingly going out saying, yes, I do have HIV, and these are ways to prevent. Because I want people to understand and know what's going on. So I want to help prevent them from being in a place that I'm in right now. But if you see yourself having sex or you're about to be sexually active, yes, that is a conversation you need to have. Now, will it be on the first date? I don't know. Do you have intentions to sleep with somebody on the first date? That is up to you. But you have to, at your discretion, I would advise if you plan on having sexual intercourse, regardless of the, the, um, the type that you have, make sure that's a conversation. When you say advocates, are those advocates Therefore, people who have HIV are just advocates, period. Like, we have mental health advocates who just want the world to know no, about you have, mental health. Yeah, you have advocates who have HIV who, who speak on behalf of the virus. But what I'm saying is, are they somebody that a person, they're only for people who have HIV to go to and utilize as a resource, or are they out there for everybody? I mean, they're out there for everybody, but of okay. course, if you know somebody who has, you want to speak to someone who, you know, who's dealing with or has dealt with it, you will feel, you know, more secure and receptive to, to receive that information from somebody who's, who know what you're going through. Do, um, is there volunteer opportunities for people to get involved with just, I guess, education or just get involved with the fight against HIV? Yeah, definitely. Um, and how do they go about they, that? Um, they do, they can go on the um, AIDS Health Foundation um, website to get that information, Aid Atlanta. Um, That's every city, or, or I mean, it, um, AHF is in okay. cities all around, um, international and national, um, to get information about that. I don't necessarily know how that looks right now, you know, due to COVID. Right, right. So um, I can't necessarily speak on that part, but yeah, there are opportunities where if you want to give your time, if you want to be a, um, a support, you know, part of a support team, there is um, there are opportunities where you can actually do that. So in, in, um, in closing, if somebody wanted to know more in general, uh, outside of just volunteering, uh, where can they go? 
AIDS Health Foundation. That's the only one? Well, that's the one that I utilize. I okay. mean, if they want to just type in Google and say HIV information, HIV stats, HIV statistics, HIV um, prevention, Google is right there accessible at, okay. at their fingertips. So but they the can't one get in contact with you? <laughs> All right. What is it again? AIDS Health uh, Foundation? Yes, AIDS Health Foundation. This is just informational. This is not something that I, per se, um, giving stats on my own behalf, but just from information that I've read. But yes. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming out. Is there anything you want to share with us, um, add to uh, this dialogue that we, we just had about AIDS and HIV? I would general? say um, don't be ignorant to the fact that it doesn't exist. It does. Don't be ignorant to the fact that it could be your mother, brother, sister, or cousin that have HIV. Don't shun away from them because you know what's going on with them because it's out, but they don't necessarily know what's going on with you because you haven't disclosed your, your issues. You know what I'm saying? N nothing is higher than the other. And I think we put more weight on anything sexual because you have the stigmatism behind it. Become educated. Understand what the person is going through because it, it, it's a mental thing too. You know, now that I have this, will somebody love me? Will I ever have a family? Will my family still love me? You know, do I even love myself? You know, because they have to forget, you know, a lot of people have struggles trying to forgive themselves for putting themselves in that type of situation. So it's a lot of mixed um, emotions when it comes to it. But if we're open and receptive and um, we're just there for, for them, then it will make things so much easier. Love on your clients. Prior to COVID, I will love on my clients, you know, because they, they need that. Sometimes I may be that only physical contact that they have per se because no one wants to deal with them or no one wants to talk with them because of that because they feel that they may contract but that then again that comes with ignorance you need to educate yourself with that um with the testing how do you get tested you can go with um ahf um foundation they have eight atlanta um in midtown where you can go and get free testing um, they have positive impact with indicator. You can go and get tested. So it's a lot of different um, places of where you can go and, and receive testing. And um, you can ask your primary physician too? You can. If you had to? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Especially if you know you're sexually active. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, what's the turnaround for that, like testing? Well, it depends. The, the, I know um, where, results. I, well, where we are, you have rapid testing. You can know um, within like maybe a minute. Huh. Yeah. Okay. You can know just like that. And that has changed over time. It too, has. You don't yeah. have to wait weeks at a time and nerves rattled to figure out what's going on with you. You can know right then and there. Uh, is it expensive if somebody didn't have, uh, if, well, I guess if they went to some of those places, is it free? Yeah. If you uh, don't have insurance, of course, it goes um, go according to your income and per se sliding scale. But no, and not having insurance is not a, not a reason for you not to, to have care. They have a lot of um, a lot of clinics that will accept you, Ryan White clinics that will accept you um, if you don't have insurance. Okay. You can get your your medication. You can see your doctor. Um, sometimes they use th those specialist doctors as their primary doctor. So it kind of depends. Like a lot of people who have insurance come there and just use that particular doctor as a PCP, and you don't necessarily have to because that's a specialist doctor, but they do so. So there are programs. Mm -hmm. There's no reason you shouldn't know, number one. And number two, there's, there's no, no reason. reason you shouldn't uh, be cared for exactly. after you know. Yes. Um, thank you. Thank you for coming out, um, being a part of this podcast and speaking on uh, HIV AIDS. 
and how it relates um, to us um, or to the people um, that are listening. I am your host, Kervin Searles. I am on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, look up Kervin Searles, you'll find me somewhere along the way on um, those platforms. If we said something in this podcast that you're um, wanting to dialogue more about, learn more about, just reach out to me and I'll try to point you in the right direction because uh, I am not an expert, definitely, on this particular topic. Thank you um, to all those who support me, my wife, my children, my family, my friends, um, mm. even my friends that come on the podcast. Did I... I didn't call you out your name uh, while you was on Okay, I did good. All right. Uh, even my friends that come on the podcast and, and share their knowledge. It's not that they're just on here uh, talking in general. And they're in their respective fields, um, giving the knowledge that they've acquired down through the years. And I appreciate that. So thank you for coming and listening. And you could have been anywhere in the world listening to anybody else. And you chose to listen to me. And I appreciate that. I'm a therapist, but this ain't therapy. It's a podcast. Until the next time. But I hope you believe, like I believe, that no matter how crazy it gets, everything's gonna be all right. Y'all believe that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, here's your part right here. Bring it right here. Like everything's gonna be all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's rehearse it. Let's go. Uh, everything's gonna be all right. A little louder, please.